Stanislaus Reads and Writes presents Ashes in a Teardrop, narrated by Emerson Drake. Enjoy the unique writing styles of 15 local authors, each contributing a chapter in this first community novel project from the Stanislaus County Library. The novel begins when a young couple stumbles across an abandoned teardrop trailer during a weekend bike ride along the Tuolumne River. What follows is a suspenseful mystery set against the familiar landscape of Stanislaus County. Ashes in a Teardrop, Chapter 13 Mario went over to Jerry's house Friday night with a canoe so they could prepare for the next day's adventure. The two men were very excited, but Amy was worried. I don't know what will happen to you, she said. Wish us luck, Amy, Jerry said. We won't have to work the rest of our lives if we find the treasure. He sounded as if he had changed his mind and now wanted to keep the treasure. But after Mario left, he didn't sound so confident. I don't know how this is going to go. We could even die. Don't say that, Amy said in a soothing voice. You'll get back just fine. Jerry pulled her close and they snuggled, taking comfort in each other. The next thing she knew, Amy was snatching the map from Jerry's hand. I don't want you to go on this damn trip, she shouted. Amy, honey, the treasure. I don't want someone's treasure. Exhausted now and not knowing what to say, Jerry lay back on the bed and fell asleep, the map held tightly in his hand. As he entered a deep sleep, the map dropped from his hand and fell onto the table near the bed. When Amy heard it fall, she leaned over, put it in a dish she used for candles, and set it on fire. She couldn't believe what she had done. She gathered the ashes into a pile and stared at them in horror. What have I done, she thought. Why did I do this? Jerry will kill me. As she looked down with tears in her eyes, she saw that the pile of ashes had turned into a dazzling diamond. Amy's body jerked and her eyes flew open. It had all been a dream, an incredible dream. But was it an omen? The map was right there on the table. She touched it. Yes, it was real. Late that night, a small red truck passed Jerry and Amy's house. Bob looked at the house nervously as he drove by. Bob, why is there a canoe parked in front? Is that the right house? What's wrong with you, Ralph? He answered. Yes, it's the right house. But that canoe? I don't care about the canoe. We have the key to the treasure, but we don't have the map, Bob said. It must be in the trailer, Ralph said. We've got to get it before that nosy couple does. In the morning, Mario went to Jerry's house and brought Tracy and Bianca with him. Amy tried one more time to get Jerry and Mario to give up their plan, but the two were adamant. She sank into the chair, her face in her hands. I don't care if they don't find anything, she thought. Neither couple was rich, but they were living comfortably on what they earned. Just let Jerry and Mario stay safe. This terrible trio has disrupted our lives, she realized with a start. To her, the trailer, urn, and diary were just that, even though Jerry would call them a terrific trio. There's no use in fighting them, she thought. Instead, I'll join them. Okay, what do you want us to do, Amy asked the guys. Glad you've come around, Jerry said. We've worked together on this mystery, and together we can solve it. Let's focus on the treasure. Jerry and Mario studied the map again, and after some discussion, Jerry said, This is what we'll do. You three drop us at Robert's Ferry Bridge, then we'll launch the canoe and start the treasure hunt. We'll give you a call to pick us up when we're done, Mario promised. And with that, the five of them were off. It took about 40 minutes to reach the covered structure just off Highway 132. Amy, Tracy, and Bianca left Jerry and Mario near the river with hugs all around. The plan was to pick them up at the Waterford Bridge several miles downstream. 
The women sat talking in Kathy's coffee shop in Waterford while Bianca sipped her apple juice. Suddenly, Amy flashed on what Andreas had said to Jerry in their garage, and it struck her so strongly at the time she had scribbled down his words on a piece of paper, which she then tucked into her purse. Now she started fumbling for the paper. Did you lose something? Tracy asked. Tracy, our neighbor Andreas said this to Jerry. Are you documenting everything you're doing? You know. If the person in that urn is famous, like Jimmy Hoffa, you can make millions selling your story. I'm not a writer, Amy continued, but if you like the idea, you and I can write the story of our adventure. Who knows? It may make some money. Maybe not millions, but something. I should have kept a diary, but the events are still fresh in our mind. The title can be Treasure in a Teardrop. I like that idea, Tracy said. Yes, we have a story. It's intriguing. It could even make an exciting movie. Let's keep our project a secret. A surprise, Amy said. Tracy nodded. Fiction or nonfiction, she asked. I'm not sure, but I know it's a mystery, Amy said. I wish Hitchcock were alive, Tracy said. In Psycho, a car sinks into the quicksand. And in our story, an almost sunken trailer kicks things off. Tracy said, I have an idea. She continued. Let's make it a mysterical story. What's that? Amy asked. It's a story that combines mystical elements in the mystery. Mysterical. Do you like it? I just coined the word. Not bad, Amy said, adding, We should dedicate this book to Andreas, Jerry, Mario, and Bianca. Why Andreas first? Tracy asked. He planted the idea to write the story, Amy answered. And above all, he saved our lives. Let's go to the library and borrow some books on how to write a mystery, Tracy suggested. Don't worry, Amy. Our story will be good. It may not win a Nobel Prize, but at least we'll be proud of it. I hope so, Amy said. Just keep daydreaming, girl, Tracy said. Who knows? It might lead to some interesting plots. But let me warn you, Amy. Some writers have told me that writing can be addictive. So we're going to write a book, make money, and we've gained a trailer too, Amy said with a laugh. Yeah, we can pack it with books, and Jerry and Mario can tow it to distribute the books on the weekends. Not so fast, Tracy, Amy said. We've still got a lot of unsolved pieces, such as the mystery surrounding the Brewsters and the McHenrys, and the diary and the baby. And don't forget Chuck, Bob, and Deputy Radcliffe. That will provide plenty of suspense. Of course, the biggest unknown is whether Jerry and Mario can find the treasure. Jerry, enjoy the water without getting wet, okay? Mario said. Put on your life jacket. This is your first time canoeing, and you don't know how to swim. I hope this fits you, he continued, tossing the orange flotation device at him. Then Mario proceeded to give Jerry a crash course on canoeing, demonstrating how to paddle. And here is some water shoes, Mario said. What are water shoes, Jerry asked. You'll understand if we have to land on a rocky shore to reach the cave. These shoes will make it easy to walk. Amy told me your size, and I bought you a pair. Mario, you are a treasure, Jerry said as the friends broke into laughter. That's not all. I've got wide-brim hats with straps to protect our heads, Mario said, and sunglasses and a camera and a cell phone and a waterproof bag. We'll also need this water so we don't get dehydrated, and a bailing bucket in case the canoe capsizes. Yes, boss, Jerry shouted, shuddering a bit at the thought of ending up in the water. Mario explained to him that the front part of the canoe was the bow, and the back was the stern. He showed Jerry how to get into the canoe and move to the front. Then Mario moved to the stern, and they were moving. The Tuolumne River was full of wildlife. In a matter of moments, they saw an eagle, a hawk, and some ducks. The canoe moved past farms and gravel pits, but no sign of any cave. They were getting frustrated when they spotted a hole in the bottom of a cliff. 
they paddled the canoe to the shore and got out. As they neared the hole, they could see that an iron door was attached to the opening. They were tugging on the door, hoping it would open without a key. Then Bob and Radcliffe appeared behind them. Hi, buddies, Bob shouted. 